0: MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets. But the point is, I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a Copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. Oh. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Oh, Zio, get off, get off Hey, whoa, yeah, hey, whoa Let me get off, get up
1: Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where ooh, ooh, Zio, get off, get off. Hey, whoa, yeah, hey, whoa, let me get off, get off. Hey, diamonds on my neck and wrist, they get off. Hey, I came this far, you know I had to get off. Isn't that right, Tommy? Zio, get off, get off, O A I O E. Yo, that was pretty good, man. <laughs> All right, welcome to the Lakers Legacy Podcast. As you just heard, we are ready to get off. And despite the fact that the Lakers lost in heartbreaking fashion last night to the Portland Trail Blazers and Dame of Thrones. As of late, the Lakers are still rolling out of the All-Star break. Tonight's going to kind of be a very scrambled and go-with-the-flow kind of episode. We're going to kind of have to do a little shorter episode tonight and, and speed race through things. Um, Tommy, really quickly, do you want to tell the folks why we've got to do some speed racing through this episode? Ironically, it's because you you're, you don't have any speed racing in your life right now.
2: No speed racing. Um I'm just dealing with some car issues right now, which is unfortunate and it's going to cost me a pretty penny to get that fixed. Um, so anyway, dealing with the, you know, the mechanics and all that nonsense in the middle of the work week, it, it kind of throws your schedule off. So, um, uh, I don't have to be out of here, but you know, I have to be out of here pretty soon, not for car reasons exactly, but just because things are getting messed up because of my broken
1: car. Wham, wham, wham. So we're going to kind of be going at a Lakers pace tonight because Tommy's life pace has slowed down to a halt because of the car issues. See how I put that all together? All Ayo. right, let's do it. Um, <laughs> Ayo, get off. Ayo, hey, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Ayo, get off, get uh, off. Oh. I think we should just do that the entire episode. Um, okay, yeah, with that said... Tommy, let's start with the Spurs game because, I mean, we're going to throw a huge caveat on everything. Lakers lost in heartbreaking fashion last night. Uh, Brandon Ingram is currently out with the groin injury, which sucks. Josh Hart broke his hand. I think he had surgery. He's out as well. We are randomly playing Tyler Ennis, which sucks. So bad. Um, Fans are now, we're, we're so bad. Tyler Ennis is so bad. Fans are clamoring for Luang Dang, <laughs> which I would not be opposed to at this point, given the lack of wing depth. Um, but having said that, since our last episode, the Lakers have won five out of six. Uh, the most epic win of that, obviously, coming against the San Antonio Spurs. And we're going to get to our thoughts on that in a second. But of course, once again, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate interview us on iTunes because the more you rate interview us, that is how many more diamonds will be on Lonzo Ball's neck and his wrist so that he can get off, get off. Whoa, hey, yeah, whoa, hey. So please rate interview us on iTunes. Also, patreon.com slash the Legacy Podcast if you would please consider donating to our page a $1, dollar, 2 dollars, one time donation or become a monthly sponsor that would help us out a lot. Um and yeah, that's it. So, Tommy, Spurs game. The Lakers got off to a really slow start against the Spurs. It did not look pretty for a while. The offense looked super bogged down, but as as the Lakers have been doing in this recent stretch, they have been resilient and because of their fast pace, they've always found a way to come back in games and put up points in flurries and a lot of that was due to Isaiah Thomas's insertion into the lineup. But I guess we can start first on your general impression of the Spurs game, how lit you were and and yeah. Yeah, let's start with that. How lit were you after that Spurs game? I was extremely
2: lit after <clears throat> after the Spurs game. Um I'd recorded the game and I you know I was busy, you know, dealing with stuff during the day, so I didn't watch it until like very very late. It must have been like one in the morning that I started the game. Same Um, dude. (laughs) Yeah. And so I wasn't really expecting much. And in fact, I was like so tired. I was, part of me was like, oh man, I mean, this will probably be a loss. So if it is going to be a loss, hopefully it's not closed by like the third quarter. So I can just fast forward through and confirm the loss and move on with my life. But like you said, they were, they kept it very competitive. Um, They played very well. Uh, they got off to a slow start. I think that was due in part to, I believe. Oh yeah. That was the second game. Um, since losing Josh Hart and also, uh, Ingram didn't play in that game. So it's like you lose two starters who had been, it's like you're getting Lonzo wall back, but you're losing two guys who had been starters for you for like, what the last 10 plus games. Um, so that was an adjustment, and I think that's part of the reason why it started off so slow. But once we got that get off get off of ZO two <laughs> and Isaiah Thomas lineup in there, things just started to change very quickly. And I think in the second quarter, things picked up. Um, you know, we lost the second quarter we lost our second quarter we came out even with the Spurs. Third quarter we came out almost I mean we came in slightly under. And then the fourth quarter was just like an explosion. And it's like like you said the team never gave up. They were down by 17 points or something in the fourth quarter against the Spurs who yes were undermanned, but they're still the Spurs and the Spurs with their roster most years beat quote unquote teams like the Lakers, which which I say teams like the Lakers to mean like teams that are not in the playoff hunt and you know bottom 10 type teams in the league. The Spurs it doesn't matter who's playing for them. They could you know, throw out the Spurs D league team and Popovich will probably coach him to wins against, <laughs> against those types of teams. So, uh, and it was on the road, it was the end of a four game road trip in which we had won the first three and like, especially coming off that Miami game where we just totally destroyed yep. Miami. Um, a solid playoff team and I, uh, you know, it would have been easy for the guys to just mail it in and be like, okay this was a great run. Congratulations. Everybody pat ourselves on the back. Let's go enjoy the river walk and go home. Um, but they, you know, played really hard. They played really hard till the last minute, you know, every starter, um, except for Brooke, which, you know, Brooke has never played over 30 minutes, but every other starter played over 30 minutes. Most of them were in the mid thirties. KCP was over 40 minutes. These guys were tired, but they were playing hard and they played hard until the last minute. And they came through and hit some clutch shots and, this Lonzo ball that we saw in this game. Woo. Oh my God, dude. He's just so good. Uh, like, I mean, his impact on both sides of the, of the floor cannot be overstated. He, the way he controls the pace, he's 20 years old and he makes the entire game revolve around whatever pace he decides he wants to play. And I just, I've never seen something like that in my entire life. I mean, obviously it's, I, I can't. I mean, maybe you can think of another player who had that kind of impact as a rookie, and it's 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 a hard, and it becomes a problem if you're trying to get into like internet debates about this kind of guy because or debates with other fans because it's hard to really appreciate what he does unless you just watch all the games. So, I mean, I don't know if you've seen anybody like him to have this kind of impact, but.
1: Um, not recently but just to get to the game the you know the Lakers were down by 11 going into the fourth and then they outscored the Spurs 36 to 21 which is incredible and they really showed their fight and resiliency that was one of the wackiest games I've ever seen and the fact that we pulled it off against the Spurs in San Antonio and Travis Ware was hitting clutch shots I was just yeah. like what is going on yeah. right now wasn't Travis that like Travis Ware was a plus Wares? 18 <laughs> That was like one of his first games, if not the first game, since them signing him to a ten-day contract. Right? It was
2: the it was the day after he had signed the contract because he signed the contract on their off day, the day before, and then right. he met the team in San Antonio, <laughs> and then was just thrown right out into the fire, played thirteen minutes.
1: And then he was just hitting like jump shots off curls, hitting yeah. three. I mean, he was playing some pretty solid defense as well, which is the most surprising part about all of this. It was frankly shocking, let's be honest. <laughs> here. Nobody expected that that a dude that looks like that to be
2: able to block shots.
1: <laughs> um, you can say that because you're white. Um anyways, <laughs> um what's it called? Uh getting back to the topic. Yeah, the Lakers ended up winning 116-112 and Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing out of that game was Lonzo Ball putting on that Mamba mode at the end there, hitting, I think he hit like three or four out of his six threes in the fourth quarter. And each one of them, the next three after the last one was more impressive than the one that preceded it, Mm -hmm. uh, because they were off the dribble, they were step back threes. And you know Lonzo Ball has found his groove when he's doing the UCLA step back off the dribble, right? That was his patented shot that that is the get off get off shot because it just shows how confident he is in his own shot and now we're seeing you know you were talking about the last episode how quick Lonzo Ball's release is and at the beginning of the season the quickness in his release was not his normal form like obviously his form is jacked up but the quickness in in his release the first half of the season was quickness out of nerves quickness out of just being antsy and too uppity with his shot and because mm-hmm. of that it, it he was just like flinging random almost slingshot type of three-point shots that were not even close but mm-hmm. now the quickness in his release carries his dna and his form and you're seeing it just be more smooth and actually fluidly go in even when he's like dancing around with the ball and kind of off balance now he has the confidence in the proper arc in his shot and he gets it off really quickly. Um, and frankly, you know, some of those, his shots had defenders flying at him and he was still able to get it off, you know? So I think that was the most impressive part of the threes that he was slinging out there in the fourth quarter. They were off screens. He was dribbling behind screens. That, that, that was the most dynamic I've ever seen Lonzo ball with regards to his confidence in his three point shot. And, um, the fact that he could hit three in a row down the stretch with like under two minutes left was, was frankly incredible. Um, He was doing that three-point gang sign to the San Antonio Spurs, which was cool too. Yeah. So yeah, 18 points, 11 assists, seven rebounds, one steal, two blocks, only two turnovers. I mean, so all of his amazing. shots were, yeah, six, six three-pointers, six out of 10 from three. Yeah, probably one of the best games Lonsville Ball has had this entire season. And obviously we're not even talking about how active he's been on the defensive end. Is there anything else you wanted to add on with regards to Lonzo? It's just crazy because I think in the beginning of the season,
2: uh, we projected like, okay, if Lonzo finishes the season 40% from the field, 30% from three, that'll put him like about where most rookie guards end up. Uh, Just because he's like a, you know, at this stage in his career, he's an outside shooter. He doesn't have the moves or the strength to finish at the rim yet. Um, he and he does not have a floater, a consistent floater that he can use yet. So that's what we projected. You know, I think we've said many times on this podcast before. James Harden shot twenty nine percent from three as a rookie. Kevin Durant shot like barely thirty or thirty one percent. Those are two of the best three point shooters in the NBA now. Um, Lonzo with this trending up, he is. I think. Probably going to hit 40% overall field goal. I think he's probably going to hit 35-plus from three, which is amazing considering he takes six threes a game. And, you know, if you project out what he, I think, is actually ultimately going to look like, I think there's no reason to doubt that this fool is going to be a 40% three-point shooter, which for a point guard who can, like, play defense, get this many assist assists, hit 40% from three, like, there's really nothing else you can ask for. And the beauty of it all is he's not a finished product, so he is going to continue to get better, and I have no doubts that this guy is going to be, you know, at some point in his career, I, I don't know if he's going to average 20 points a game, but he's at least going to be a 20-point-per-game, like, capable scorer, because he will add those moves to his arsenal, because, I mean, all he's had his whole life, pretty much, is, like, LeVar training him to be an elite shooter, and, like, to LeVar's credit, he's done a pretty good job of that, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, in college, he's so, or sorry, in high school, he was so big, he scored 30 plus a game cause he was just so much bigger and more athletic than everybody and more skilled. So he could just do that easily. Um, in college, he didn't score as much, but again, we, smaller defenders, he, he could finish, he was one of the highest, you know, uh, finishing rates, I think at the rim in, in college history, or at least for last year and in the NBA, we haven't seen that yet. And that's just going to come with strength and that's going to come with a uh, little bit more skill refinement. So I, I'm just like so impressed by this guy. Like I said, I really think you can't overstate how good he's, uh, how, how good he's been.
1: Well, he's been this good and I'm more surprised by how good he's been given the lack or given the, the holes in his game still to this point that can be improved upon. And by holes I'm talking about, he's still, he still doesn't like to shoot when he's down low. You know, he doesn't even put up a floater at this point. And if he just starts yeah. doing that, you tack on, you know, another one or two points per game on, on top of that. You know, obviously, we'd love him to attack the rim more. And once he attacks the rim right now, he just still doesn't have the body control yet. But look, he's still coming back from an injury. Um, and once he just becomes more confident with and and... Shores up his body control when he drives into the lane. It's crazy that he's doing this with all those deficiencies still in place. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then on top of it, his three-point shot in the last uh, like five games, he's 17 for 29. So, I mean, that's a ridiculous percentage no matter how you shake it. Um, Mm -hmm. He's up to 34% from three when at the beginning of the year that was at 25%. Pretty much since December, he's been a 40% three-point shooter. So you can't really say that he can't shoot. Um, It's just the other aspects of his game that he continues to need to work on. I think that'll come around eventually. But the fact that he's already so effective and so useful right now, just as a guy who does everything. And again, a large part of that comes from the defensive end and him just causing havoc and getting the ball uh, out on the break with his freneticness on defense. It's crazy. And and, then the biggest part too is, and I guess this is a good segue into Isaiah Thomas, just his fit His easy fit with Isaiah Thomas Mm -hmm. as a guy who can play off ball when Isaiah Thomas has the ball or can also facilitate um, when Isaiah Thomas is tired. Mm. So Isaiah Thomas, look, he had a bad game, probably his worst game um, as a Laker last night, especially in the clutch. And actually, I would say it was just his fourth quarter, really, that was terrible where he was kind of forcing yeah. up shots, getting turnovers. But up until that point in the third quarter against the Blazers, I mean, he was dishing out some ridiculous passes, man. I, I, Every game, I am so surprised by how good a playmaker Argyatons I is. I, I did
2: not expect it, to be honest with you.
1: And maybe that just shows that, like, maybe I haven't been watching him closely enough over the years because he just has this perception as this scoring guard, right? But really... Mm-hmm. Dude, his vision is insane. And I think it comes with him being so small. When you're that small and you don't have the normal lines of vision that a typical NBA player has, you kind of have to add these like quirky additional tools to your back pocket, you know? And for Isaiah Thomas, initially when we saw his crazy, stupid no look passes, we're like, man, that's just freaking lucky. Why does that guy do that? But I've never seen a guy throw many, so, so many no look passes that hit the player or hit his teammate right where they need it to be and then they just get easy dunks you know so it's clear I think Isaiah Thomas is the best wacky no look passer in the league if I had to count it he probably has maybe eight passes of those variety that have connected and maybe two turnovers out of that and we've seen it from Boston where he just glows into the lane does a spin move and then flips it no look behind his head and it hits the guy straight in the his shooting pocket for like a wide open three. We've seen that from Jay yeah. Crowder. Uh, we've seen it. We've seen him seen him throw uh, KCP into space for wide open threes on the baseline. We've seen him like with Julius Randle and Zubats especially. He throws the perfect um, lob passes. He had that crazy one in San Antonio to Zubats where he drew the defense in. There were like two guys on him, and it looked like they engulfed him. Right, but because he's so small, he knows that the angle to throw the pass is just to lob it as high as he can. And somehow he just connects perfectly to the guy he's supposed to throw that lob to or throw that three-point shot to. And it's it's amazing. He, he, he didn't shoot well last night, 5 for 21, but he did have seven assists again. And pretty much since the All-Star break, this dude is averaging 23 points and seven assists in like 27 minutes. Yep. And off, off the bench... In totality, as a Laker, he's averaging 16 points and 5 assists in only 24 minutes. And that, that, frankly, that's incredible to me. Yeah, what have your thoughts been on Isaiah Thomas? Because I felt like in the San Antonio Spurs game, when the offense was bogged down, and look, he didn't have a perfect game. He was 6-for-16. That shot is still uh, not perfect. We saw him get hot against the Miami Heat, where he hit Mm -hmm. 6-of-11. But even in the San Antonio Spurs game, I felt like he really affected the game in such a positive way because... You know, the offense was bogged down when that starting unit uh, was on the court, but when Isaiah Thomas came in, he's just such a dynamic dude with the ball in his hands that he just keeps the defense scrambling because they're always like, oh shoot, oh shoot, The small guy is getting wherever he wants to, and he knows how to perfectly exploit the defense because he knows where the mismatches are off the pick and roll, and he knows exactly where to throw it to his tall dudes or even guys who are shooters, and to me it's just been impressive how, how high of a basketball IQ he has, you know? He's not just a scorer, and right now he looks like a bad scorer just because he isn't hitting his shots. So, yeah, what are your thoughts on Isaiah? Um,
2: My overall thought is, like, I I give this guy a lot of slack uh, when it comes to certain aspects of his game right now because essentially what's happening here is it's like if you were taking, you know, you're in high school or something, you're taking AP Biology, (laughs) and you get dropped into class, like, Week twelve of a fifteen-week semester, and it's like everybody else has been doing this for twelve straight weeks, and you have to just figure all this shit out, all this stuff out on the fly, and um, it's it's not easy, you know what I mean? And so, like, not only that, he's recovering from like a serious injury, so physically he's not there. That is going to lead to more turnovers than he historically gets. He is averaging slightly more turnovers this season than he normally does. That being said, like you, I did not realize how good of a playmaker this guy was. I thought he, you know, he's a career five assists a game. I thought maybe, you know, he's a point guard for God's sake. He's, you know, within the flow of the offense, most point guards can probably get five assists a game, but since he came, like in his last five games for us, he's averaging six assists a game. That's three times more than the guy he replaced while scoring just as many points Shooting just as well from the three somehow, even despite his even despite his like bad shooting numbers um, in the last two games, uh, he he's doing so many things well. Um, I'm not going to say that in terms of like ju- trying to judge where Isaiah Thomas fits moving forward. I won't say it's a for sure thing that we're going to keep him, or it's a for sure thing that we're going to get rid of him. I just think it's it's interesting that we have this opportunity and we should really appreciate it because we're starting to see things that like, that we only have really dreamed of for the last couple of years. Like we've been accumulating all these young assets and the thought has always been, okay, but are these guys legit or do they just look good because they're putting up good numbers on a bad team? Or if these guys had a star who could lead them and carry them when they needed to be carried, would it just elevate them to a different level? And I think in the few games that Isaiah has played really well for us, it's clear that he elevates us to another level because, Mm -hmm. for example, in that Sacramento game to go like five games back or whatever, we won that game by five points in a hostile environment on the road, and we only won that game because of Isaiah Thomas hitting clutch free throws. Mm -hmm. Um, In the San Antonio game, probably gets overlooked, but when Ginobili hit a big three to bring it down to like a one, you know, one possession game. I think he he brought it down to like a two point game or something. Mm -hmm. Um, We had the luxury of being able to throw it to a guy that literally is shooting 90% from the free throw line this year. And he won us that game. Like he wasn't in the game down the stretch because we had KCP and Lonzo, et cetera, out there for defensive purposes. But he came in after uh, uh, sitting over there on the sideline for a solid, you know, three minutes of game time, probably more like, I don't even know how, like at least 10, 15 minutes of real time, just standing over there on the sideline and then comes in, calmly knocks down two free throws, we win the game. You know, these are things that like we didn't have earlier in the season. We've taken for granted because we haven't had Kobe for like, you know, many years, especially prime Kobe. How nice it is to have a guy who can just literally get you six, seven points a game from the free throw line. So it doesn't matter how poorly he's playing or you know how poorly he's shooting that day, he you're gonna get guaranteed like those seven points because he gets to the line and he does not miss once he gets there. Um, all of these things have just been so impressive. and you know the, the how how good Lonzo and Isaiah have fit together should really make all the people who, and all the fans who over the year, and I'm not, I'm not going to say by any means I fall in this category. Cause I actually don't, but all the fans who over the course of the last year have said like, Oh man, Lonzo's great. Imagine how cool it would have been to see him and D'Angelo Russell play together. Again, I, I hate to bring up D'Angelo, but just to say that like one of the biggest critiques of, and one of the biggest support, uh, supporting uh, claims in favor of that D'Angelo trade was, well, these two guys will never be able to play together. And to be fair, I was in that camp, not necessarily offensively. I always thought they could fit, but defensively, I thought they could not fit. Right. Lonzo Ball and Isaiah Thomas are like 95th percentile plus in offense and defense when they're on the court together. Um, Isaiah is by no stretch of the imagination a good defender, but he's serviceable and he tries hard. He literally, he tries his best. It's like, <laughs> I if I was on an NBA court that's what I would look like. It's crazy because he (laughs) looks like such a midget. But, I mean, he must be under 5'9", dude, because I'm five, Probably. I'm about 5'10", and I feel like this guy looks so... Like, I can't imagine... And he weighs more than I... He weighs 185, so I cannot imagine... I would look that small if I was on the court, but maybe I would, dude, because everybody (laughs) is such a giant. But when you watch him, he's just like this little – he looks like a little kid just like really trying his best on defense. Like he gets knocked around. He gets bounced around. He's he's too small to like get around a lot of screens, but he tries his best, and it's working. And like Lonzo is clearly compensating for any deficiencies there, so – it's it's a it's a really good tandem, and even if we end up getting rid of Isaiah, I really really hope that the Lakers management uh, pays attention to how well this worked out. Because we should not be frugal uh, when if we're able to sign two stars this summer, we should not be frugal about spending on a uh, or potentially trying to trade for a backup point guard that can share minutes with Lonzo at times. Um, because we've seen how, how good Lonzo can look next to somebody like that. This is Mike from the Almighty Baller Network. It's nice to have a helping hand, especially when it's tax season, and that hand is attached to a licensed tax professional. With TurboTax Live, you can talk to real CPAs and EAs on demand who can review your return with you before you file and to make sure you get your maximum refund. They can even check your work line by line, So you can be confident it's done right. Who knew confidence and peace of mind could be synonymous with taxes? TurboTax Live with CPAs and EAs on demand. See details at TurboTax.com. Let TurboTax Live be your helping hand. Visit TurboTax.com
1: today. Actually, I think it emphasizes the point because it's so cool to see two different types of point guards that command the offense in such different ways. And yep. it's funny because I feel like what we also didn't realize ab- about Isaiah Thomas is he actually likes to move the ball really quickly as oh, well. Yeah, you know that cra- sure. that crazy pass he made to Lonzo Ball for the baseline three uh, against Portland last night where mm-hmm. he kind of had to like tip, whip pass it to Lonzo? Yeah. He's been doing that to a lot of guys this season. And one thing that surprises me the most about Isaiah Thomas is initially I thought I would be as annoyed as I am with him in terms of, taking ill-advised shots as I would be with so- as someone like Lou Williams or KCP. Yep. And given, given how poorly he's shot, it would make sense that I'd be annoyed. But for some reason, I was talking to my other friend Andy the other day, and I was like, for some reason, though, I don't know why I'm not annoyed when Isaiah Thomas shoots the ball or even misses shots. And my friend said something that kind of rang true in my head, and he was like, it's because Isaiah Thomas takes shots that you think that look like they're in the flow of the offense. You Know that even the dribble pull up threes, you'd say, Oh, that's a Isa- nice that's a shot Isaiah Thomas can hit, you yeah, know. Very true. Where KCP, when sometimes when he takes shots, it's like that was really unnecessary, and <laughs> that's that's not a shot you can make, you know. We've seen Isaiah Thomas hit tough shots before, it's mm-hmm. almost like if he knows he can make that shot, that is a very makeable shot for him, and we would kind of like nod our head and say, He was open for that shot and he stepped into it, he mm-hmm. missed it, but. I can totally be down with that shot and for the majority of it I think okay outside of last night's game I have not been that bothered by his shot selection you know because one he's been a willing passer and then two whenever he does shoot it's a it's a makeable shot or at least for a guy of Isaiah Thomas's caliber if that makes sense you know that's a makeable star shot
2: it definitely does and I totally agree with the point that uh that you're making there I think a big thing that I underestimated with Isaiah was Brad Stevens' impact on his game. Mm. Um, Isaiah Thomas, I don't think was always this player. And when he was like lighting it up off the bench, or I think he started most of those games. But his like third year where he really kind of broke out for the Kings. Um, uh, right before he got traded to Phoenix, <laughs> I, th- I think the following season, or he might have signed. I can't remember. Oh, he did he sign with Phoenix? Or did he, he signed get with
1: Phoenix for like seven million, and then and he then he, was, he got, got traded played to off the bench. Yep, yep. Got it, got it.
2: So that last year that got him that good contract um, in Sacramento where he was just dropping like 20 a game and he looked really good. That Isaiah Thomas was just a volume scorer. Brad Stevens molded this guy into something like really, really special because, you know, he he clearly has shown that within the flow of the offense, he is not afraid and is in fact willing to make the pass to the next guy down the line. Um He's done it many times. He seems like a, like, serious team player. Like, you always see this guy on dead balls, like, trying to coach the guys. Like, you see him constantly... I think, like, him and Julius seem to have been developing a pretty good relationship so far. You see him always talking to Julius. You see him talking to Lonzo sometimes. Uh, You see him talking to... Obviously, he's had a good connection with Zubat so far. Um, But he's just, like, a really good leader, and he's... Another to add to your point, I think another reason why you you feel so comfortable is because he, everything he does feels like it's in control. Like beyond being in the flow of the offense, he just feels like he's in control. And like, not to knock KCP, who's like having a career season and is just putting up absurd numbers lately. Um, but sometimes KCP makes moves where you're like, okay, you're OC right now. Yeah. So, and Lonzo, you just, I mean, sorry, Isaiah, you rarely, uh. If ever, get that to the extent you get that feeling with Isaiah, it's almost always like, Oh man, like his, his like turbo boost just ran out right there because he's clearly not a hundred percent. And he made a move that like last year or two years ago, he would have just like completely destroyed this fool, but his hip just gave out on him a little. His conditioning gave out and he like lost control of the ball. So, besides those times though, it's like very, very in control player.
1: Well, in addition to that, he kind of has that very snaky Steve Nash dribble dribble game to him where obviously he's lost his burst and his speed, but the way that he navigates pick and rolls and screens is, like you said, very controlled and you feel comfortable with it. And all of a sudden, before you know it, he throws a lob pass and the guy just puts in a clean dunk with no one around him because they're so concerned with Isaiah Thomas running amok, you know? And I I said it on Twitter, but there was one guy in particular over the Lakers contending years that annoyed the hell out of me and Isaiah kind of reminds me of like a better version of that but I hated Aaron Brooks because of how oh, yeah how sneaky he was and he wasn't even that great of a finisher but he was so annoying and pesky because he'd get to wherever he wanted on the floor and cause havoc and mm-hmm. I feel like Isaiah Thomas is one a better finisher even at his 75% state right now and mm-hmm. you saw it last night against Portland this is kind of sad but Isaiah Thomas legitimately is our best point guard finisher off the dribble right now at five Uh, easily yeah how incredible is that that this guy is so nifty that he can still even without the burst without the athleticism that he's still trying to regain can still slither in the paint and has the body control to get these layups in against guys like john collins and Nurkic and stuff like that so even that's impressive and he used to do that at a higher volume it's just you know he's at 70 75 percent right now um but yeah, I'm, I'm so impressed by, and I guess I shouldn't be because he, he used, he used to average 29 points, you know? And last year, what, he was shooting 46% and career wise, he's a 44% field goal shooter. Yeah. And when you think about that, you're like at five, nine, how, how are you 44%? Even Allen Iverson didn't shoot at that type of clip. You know?
2: Exactly. Cause it's not like he's taking all, like all layups. He's taking mostly jump shots and hitting 44% career, 36% from three, you know, really in a high volume. So just really, he's, he's just a, he's just a
1: solid player. You know, we don't know if he'll ever regain his full form, but we've seen flashes even just in this, these last six games. And I just see a guy who knows himself really well. And obviously he's been in that small body for a long time. And he's found out how to succeed in so many ways against all the odds, even just in terms of, like I mentioned earlier, the quirky angle, passing angles that he has in his back pocket that nobody else has because... It looks like a mistake, but more often than not, it goes straight to the guy where he needs it to be. And, um, you know, Lonzo Ball and Isaiah Thomas on the court. Shout out to Alex Regla, at Alex underscore Regla, R-E-G-L-A-O-9. Um, he put out these stat. He found these stat numbers and aggregated them for everybody. But uh, the Lakers... On offense, and that's the biggest thing that um, Isaiah Thomas provides, you know, whatever he's giving up on the defensive end, he's more than making up for in terms of how he commands and orchestrates the Lakers offense when he's on the floor. Um, Everybody looks better and the offense flows a lot better when he's on on the court. Um, But the Lakers are 99th percentile in offense with a 126.6 offensive rating. And then defensively, they're not that bad either. They are 101.3, which is in the 95th percentile. And overall, with Lonzo Ball and Isaiah Thomas on the court, the team has a plus-minus of plus 25.4, which is in the 99th percentile, which is incredible. And then going into the percentages, 61.6% effective field goal percentage, 46.3% from three, 112.3 points per 100 possessions in the half court, and... I mean outside of the Portland game again if 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 Isaiah Thomas just just hit one or two more clutch shots in that game like we wouldn't be talking about how terrible he was you know right. um but overall his impact has been tantamount to this team and the command he's had the intangibles that he's had as a just having that superstar swagger I think has worked wonders and even if we don't keep him past this year I think this was valuable experience for everybody involved and at least gave the front office a look at we can do this, you know, with a guy as, you know, banged up as Isaiah Thomas still mimicking a sort of superstar, not even high usage player, but a guy who can have the ball in a different way that Lonzo does. So I'm really happy about Isaiah. I really like that grit that he brings to the team. Um, To end our show, though, we have to talk about Julius Randle because this guy... I don't even know what to say about this guy, because oh, yeah. I, <laughs> I think even the most ardent supporters of Julius Randle could not have predicted this. You, you'd agree, no, right? I mean, this I would is, agree, yeah. This is freaking ridiculous. I will eat crow on everything bad I've ever said about Julius Randle, but I even I could not have anticipated this t- sort of ceiling. The dude is shooting 56% from the field um, in the last... 5 or 6 games, you know, 21 points, 9 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, 25 points, 6 rebounds, 25 points, 6 rebounds, 19 and 10, 12 and 13, 6 assists. That triple double game against Dallas. Yeah. Um this guy has been incredible and he was such a beast against Portland last night as well. They couldn't contain him. He his just like finish,
2: abuses people, dude.
1: Dude, what happened? What what is up with the finishing, the up and unders that he has all of a sudden? I know he, had, he did not have that last year. Like that is incredible. The he had one against Hassan Whiteside. He had another one against San Antonio. Um, his free throw shooting since going 0 for five has been nuts. So I mean three for three, nine for nine, nine for eleven, seven of eight. I mean this guy essentially still doesn't have a jump shot, but he is this good. I know. So, what have your thoughts been on Mr. Julius Randle? And at this point, Lakers gotta try their best to keep him, right?
2: Oh, they absolutely have to try their best to keep him. And like you, like you just did, I will also eat crow because (laughs) it was not that long ago. I mean, literally, we're talking like a month, a month and a half ago that I was saying, "Hey, if we can get like a late first rounder for this guy, I'll be more than happy." You know, maybe we'll have to take on another contract. but that's fine, you know what I mean. I was just, <laughs> in hindsight, it's so stupid. Like this guy is completely dominating. It's for anybody who says the you know there's oh there's a new NBA and the old NBA is dead and there's only one way to play. Look, I get all that. Threes are important. The NBA uh, is all about spacing right now, and and all of that is fair. That is not, it's not fair to say though that there's not a place in this league for skilled post players. Julius Randle plays in transition. He plays on the post. And the biggest thing for him, um, where he's made the biggest strides, he still turns it over too much at times. Mm -hmm. um, But catching the ball and just going to work immediately and making a quick move, like he has a tendency, had a tendency in his first few years and still does on occasion now, but. His tendency is to grab the ball and like like almost Shaq style, like grab the ball and size you up type of thing. Grab the ball and let the defense load up. But the problem is, you know, unlike when Shaq unlike you know the early part of Shaq's career, there's no uh where the, when there was no um you couldn't play zone defense, now you can kind of play like a zone defense with the mm-hmm. with the with these rules. So you can't let a team completely load up. What you can do is grab the ball in the post, make a quick move and use your strength and quickness to get a good basket, a good shot at the rim. Blake Griffin has literally made an entire career out of this. I mean, it wasn't until like two seasons ago that Blake Griffin started knocking down jumpers um, consistently. Julius Randle is 23. He is by no means a finished product. Um, He's not even going to turn 24 until like, the first month or like, you know, the second month of next season. So if there's a way that you can keep this guy, I mean, he's just getting better. He's a hard worker. He's in the best shape of his life. And hopefully, hopefully that'll continue. If there is any way you can keep this guy, you need to make the moves to do it. And we've outlined some of those before. I don't know how much detail you want to go into that now, but we've outlined some of those options before. If it comes down to, Hey, you need to move a couple guys around, but, and it's going to cost a pick or two picks and it ends up effectively becoming like one or two first rounders for Julius Randall. I think you have to do that because no first rounder is going to come in with like, you know, theoretically in this scenario, you're signing two other stars, right? That's why you had, would have to free Mm -hmm. money. So no other first rounder is going to come in and you know put up the month like he did in January where he averaged over the course or February, where he averaged over the course of the month, uh 19 points, nine rebounds, four assists, you know, half a block, half a steal, and shot 59% from the field. Um that's you're not gonna get that. So if you have the ability to keep him, I think you have to. He's played his way into a contract, and at this point, I just hope that. He has enough loyalty to us, given the way that like Luke has handled him the second half of the season, at least. Right. Um, I hopefully he he uh, has enough positive feelings towards us that he's willing to wait and see if we can sort stuff out before he signs like what could potentially be like a ridiculous contract with the Dallas Mavericks or you know any other team that has cap space.
1: Yeah, we'll get into all the cap machinations a little bit later, like in future episodes. But because of the time, I will want—I do want to add, though. You know, I-, I said it on Twitter, but you know, people were bringing up the fact that it was reported that Palinka and the front office had given up on trading Lu Alding. Well, the calculus has changed dramatically now that the trade deadline has passed and that we got Cleveland's first round pick we see Julius Randall as a starter absolutely beasting it we see a, a semi pseudo superstar in Isaiah Thomas who who we might want to keep as well i think that has changed everything and the the biggest change of course is that by summer 2018 Luau Dang will only have 2 years left so it's still it's that that's a huge difference from 3 to 2 correct and if a team wants Luau Dang they can stretch him themselves you know they exactly. just get the assets and then stretch the remaining two years off Luol Deng, um, we've seen Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Nets, be that sort of team who just takes on assets. They don't care about the long-term contracts because, for the most part, they're cap-strapped. Although I'm not, sh- I think they might actually have cap space this year. But a, a team like that, and I think at this point, you know, Cleveland's pick right now to us it's at number 25. They're they're 37 and 26, but they could easily fall to the early 20s. You know, at mm-hmm. the at least. And at that point, I think the Lakers would be willing to attach that first-round pick. Um, unfortunately, maybe a Zubats. I mean, he's come onto the scene once again really strongly, but if that's what it takes to keep Julius Randle, I think a team would take on Zubats, you mm-hmm. know, um, and that first-round pick and take out Dang off our hands entirely. And at that point, and we'll get into the specifics in future episodes, at that point, you can actually work with keeping Julius Randle's $12.4 million cap hold on the books, as well as isaiah thomas's nine or 11 million ish cap hold on the books as well so you could potentially keep both those guys and still make some superstar signings and at that point i think with how well the team is meshing and rolling right now this unit i think you want to keep as much continuity as possible and then just bring in the paul george or you know the lebron james Mm -hmm. um and the fact that we can we have the option to do that with the assets that we have I think is an amazing thing. And, you know, to get back to Julius Randall before we close, um, like you mentioned, I think the biggest difference is he doesn't do, you, you said Shaq, I'm going to say Kobe. He doesn't do the Kobe face-up jab step stuff yeah, anymore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, he does the post-up because he realizes, I am freaking strong and nobody can contain me. But this year, it seems like his, for whatever reason, he still gets travels here and there. But for whatever reason, his footwork this year seems a lot more planted into the ground where he doesn't look as uh, jello-y and jiggly. So whenever Mm -hmm. he posts up, it's more controlled. And when he pounds, it actually looks like a legitimate post player pounding the ball and putting his guy under the basket to the point where he can just turn around and put in flip shot or literally just dunk the ball. So I think that's been the biggest difference. And now he utilizes the actual back down to pass out to open three-point shooters. And that's been lethal to the offense as well. On top of it, as Blake Griffin loses his ability to make these Blake Griffin-esque type dunks, Julius Randle, his athleticism is, like, gaining by the year at this point. He he looks more like Blake Griffin whenever he dunks the ball than Blake Griffin does. The way he's able to power through traffic. You know when he does that crazy, when he's in transition and going at, like, I don't know, like, 60 miles per hour and he just puts the ball in both of his hands and he jams it with both hands Mm -hmm. like he's a freight train that is the definition manifest tangible definition of a freight train and his dunks are thunderous the one that i'm really impressed by these days is the one hawk or sorry the one-handed tomahawk dunks that he does where he just cocks it behind his head and he just flushes it down with such ferocity and force um It's scary, man. I wouldn't be surprised if (laughs) he broke the backboard one day. Like, just
2: imagine a team with like, and again, we're getting way ahead of ourselves, but you can imagine a team with Lonzo Ball charging down your throat and he's flanked by LeBron James and Julius (laughs) Randle. Just like two freight trains coming down and, and like one of the best young playmakers in the NBA already just running down the floor with them and smoothly trailing behind you have a... Isaiah Thomas and, uh, Brandon, and, uh Ingram. Brandon Ingram who were, or, you know, Paul George and Brandon Ingram, even who were, who were back there to, uh, hit a three or, uh, to get a tap in in Brandon Ingram's case.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it's sick. And, um, I, I want to give two quick outs before we end to, uh, Brooke Lopez and KCP KCP. I was annoyed at, uh, in the fourth quarter, but we're using the Portland game as a huge caveat and not delving too much into that. But in totality, um, KCP after the jailhouse rock kind of stuff has uh, rounded into form into the player that I guess we kind of expected. And then Brooke Lopez. Even more so, yeah. Yeah, even more so. And Brooke Lopez has not annoyed me as much just because he's been a a really great compliment to Julius Randle because Julius Randle in this scenario is the post-up player. And Brooke Lopez has been hitting his three-point shot a lot more. And actually, I think his biggest plus has been on the defensive end, you know, blocking shots and scaring people whenever they get into the paint and at this point too honestly maybe this doesn't apply to kcp but if we can get brooke lopez back i don't know i (laughs) would not i would i would not mind it you know i mean that that's the thing it's like
2: uh, we have all these interesting pieces and once the two main guys sign assuming we are able to get them it's really no telling what can happen like crazier things have happened then, for example, Brooke Lopez signing like a one-year MLE deal because he doesn't get any 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 long-term offers anywhere else, and he wants to like test the market again next season because yeah. it's like he's played well the second half of this year, but he, what he has done over the course of the entire season is not going to net him a long-term contract with good money, probably right. in most teams. But if he comes back and plays on a winning team and puts up the same or better numbers and is just shooting wide open threes all day long, you know, like that, that's something that might be appealing to him. It's just, we haven't had this kind of luxury in a long time. KCP has played himself into a contract somewhere. Um, Somehow. Yeah. This fool is like, I mean, it's funny because like I, I, again, I just, as much as anyone was trashing this guy for his poor play at various times throughout the season. But if you take out the jailhouse month (laughs) It's like <laughs> November he shot 37% from 3. January he shot 45, almost 46% from 3. February 45. So far in 3 games in March he's shooting 61. The only bad month he had was that uh December, which is when he was in jail and he shot <laughs> and he shot 29% that month from 3 and 36% overall. He is shooting on the season 30, almost 39% at a high volume, which is, like, a, by far a career high for him. Uh, his previous high was 35. So he's having a very, very good season. He's also somehow, like, become a double-double machine. He's already had more rebounds this season than he's ever had in his career. <laughs> for, not per game, like, in a season. Um, he's completely past that. Uh, so he's, like, he's helping in a lot of different areas, and and I think he is... And it seems like he gets along with a lot of the guys. He seems like a good mm-hmm. locker room type guy. All this being said, we not, there's no scenario I can imagine where we can yeah. keep him. So, I, I'm just I wish him the best, and I hope that he ends up in a in a, in a good situation. I think he will.
1: Yeah, shout out to KCP for overcoming the uh, prison break month. And uh, Brooke Lopez, I don't think we have that much competition. The only other team I can think of would be the Orlando Magic because Disney World, so there you go. And actually, (laughs) one of my friends actually uh, over the long break, I think President's Day weekend or whatever, he went to Orlando, Florida to go to Disney World and Universal Studios, and he actually saw Brooke Lopez on the flight. So you know where Brooke Lopez went for All-Star Weekend. He went to Orlando. It's hilarious. (laughs) All right, uh, with that said, that'll do it for for us, quicker show. Um, but yeah, the Lakers are looking lit. They're looking fun. They play Orlando, funnily enough, uh, next game. And hopefully they absolutely destroy them. And uh, Disneyland over Disney World. And let's continue. Let's regain another streak. And hopefully we can break through and get around 35-37 wins, I'll be happy. Um, but most of all, yeah, we're shorthanded. And also props to Luke for, you know, patching together this ragtag group of of misfits in spite of the fact that we've lost Josh Hart and Ingram. You can only imagine how, how much better we'd look and how much more cohesive and dynamic we'd look with those two guys in the fold. But unfortunately, we're going to have to wait at least a week to hear back on Brandon Ingram's diagnosis. But hopefully he's okay. And um, I think Lonzo Ball may have tweaked his knee a little bit too, but hopefully he's okay as well. Uh, but with that said, things are looking up, and hopefully Isaiah Thomas continues to re- regain his shot, and we see more of that Miami Heat sort of out- outburst from him. Uh, with that said, thank you guys for listening. This is the Lakers Legacy Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter, at Lakers Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes, because the more you rate and review us... Do uh, you got anything, Tommy? Uh, the more... No look,
2: wrap around, defender's bodies, uh, passes Isaiah Thomas will have per game.
1: Yep, those are fun. So please rate and review us on iTunes and also patreon.com slash the Lakers Legacy Podcast. With that said, we will catch you guys next time, hopefully for a more full episode and maybe we'll get into the cap stuff as well as maybe bring up a draft guy or two to look at. Although I think at this point, that's a traded pick, but that's beside the point. All right, Tommy, I'll catch you later. Later. Good luck with your car, dude. (laughs) Thanks, man. All right. Peace out, everybody.
0: Let's say you just bought a house.